Hey, how you doing, Ignite City? Hey, I wanted to share a little bit from uh, our reading in Acts chapter 20. Just a few things that stood out to me when I was reading reading it. Um, things that I marked in my journal that I thought were encouraging and challenging. Just wanted to pass them on to you. I pray that they're a blessing and helpful to you. Uh, the first part, when you look at Acts chapter 20, uh, when Paul is going, uh, he's gonna he's he's going to be in Macedonia and Greece. But it's in verse one and in verse two. Look at look at the word that's repeated, or the uh, what it is that God, or what it is that Paul does. that's repeated. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he'd gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. The word that's repeated twice in two verses of what Paul would do regularly uh, for other followers of Jesus is to encourage them. He said that he was, after encouraging them in chapter 20, verse 1, in verse 2, had given them much encouragement. I feel like a lot of times, if we've been brought up in the church, we know about Paul. We know that he's bold. Uh, we know that he says what's on his mind. But I think uh, with, I think often we forget what he's like. I actually remember hearing somebody say this once, that they felt that Paul, the Apostle Paul, was one of the most arrogant uh, people uh, in the scriptures. And when I listened to her say that, I thought, where do you come up with that? Um and I feel like maybe I should have brought it up and, and asked her, but it was just in passing and it was a quick statement. But I remember hearing that. I thought, I just completely disagree with that. When I look at Paul's life, um, statements that he's made for, for to me to live as Christ, to die as gain um, in Philippians chapter one, I think it's in Philippians chapter three, when he counts his life worth nothing, all the things that he had before knowing Christ, he counts as, he, he counts as dung. He counts as crap. I mean, he counts as nothing that he must, and all he wants to do is just know Christ, the power is resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. When I look at what it is that he went through in second Corinthians chapter 11, all because he loved Jesus. I mean, to receive the 40 lashes minus one, to go, to be shipwrecked, to be stoned. I think it was five times. Um, I think that was the number. I can't remember off the top of my head, but multiple times to be stoned, thinking that uh, people were thinking that they were going to kill him by throwing massive rocks at him. All the things that he went through, he continued uh, to move forward with Jesus. I know that his writings, he seems to come across pretty bold, especially in first, first Corinthians. And then in second Corinthians, you'll see him be bold, but you'll also talk, he also seem referred to the church as the beloved or his beloved. He refers to them as beloved, which means he loves them. And we see in Acts chapter 20, verses one and two, two different places is he's an encourager. He encouraged followers of Jesus. Friends, I think we got to keep that in mind. And then I started asking myself, am I like this? Am I an encouragement? Do I encourage other followers of Jesus? Do I go out of my way to encourage them so that no matter what it is that I'm facing in the moment, shouldn't matter. That's the last thing that should be on my mind. I should be looking for ways to intentionally, proactively, and effectively encourage my fellow brothers and sisters who are walking by faith in Jesus. And I guess I want to give that challenge to you. What would it look like if we as Christians were known for how we encouraged one another rather than discouraging one another? What would it look like if all of a sudden, instead of us trying to find the differences and the things that divide us, what if all of a sudden we just became encouragers, regardless of what people think and say and do, but we become, we become encouragers? But it doesn't mean that just because we're encouragers that we don't confront sin, that we don't confront brothers and sisters who may be in sin or um, we also might, we might, do, well, not we might, we need to live in a place of humility that we could receive uh, instruction and counsel and reproof and rebuke from other followers of Jesus who are confronting us in our sin, 
But let's do it from a place of desiring to encourage one another. I don't think that encouragement means that we have no backbone. We don't deal with serious things that are going on in people's lives. We don't confront sin. I think it means this, that we do those things, yes. But if that's all that I'm known for, that's I don't know that that's the thing that I want to be, remind, or be, be remembered for. But to be an encourager, I think, is so important. So that was one thing that stood out to me. And then the next one was in, later on in, in chapter 20, um, where it talks about the subheading of, of verse 7 is Eutychus is raised from the dead. There's a few verses that stand out from here, chapter 20, verse 7, to chapter 20, verse 16. And it comes to the topic of making plans. I don't know about you, there's times, especially when you look at, at I think it's in the book of James, um, where James is kind of saying things like, hey, no one should say, hey, Today or tomorrow, I'm going to do this or that. But really, it's say, if the Lord wills. And I agree completely with that. But I think a lot of times what can happen is this, is that we're going to, we, we, we say that, but then we might, maybe we don't make the decision or make any plans. We just kind of say, if the Lord wills. And I would hate to think that we then just pull back and do nothing as if we think that God's going to move our feet and move our legs and make our mind do everything that he wants. I think it's okay to make plans because you'll see what Paul does. In chapter 20, verse 7, he says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. And then there's this word, intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. And then this is the part where as he's, <laughs> where as he's speaking, and I don't want to hear anybody else, I don't want to hear anybody ripping into me for how long messages might go on a Sunday. Because I've never done this to anybody where I make the message longer. And a person um, who is sitting there listening to Paul, he's sitting on a windowsill, um, he fell asleep while Paul is preaching, which I do see some of you that do that or struggle during the message. And then he fell out the window. It was either two or three stories up and then was unconscious, if not dead. Um, it was, actually, it was the third story, looking at it in verse 9. And then Paul went down, bent over, and taking him in his arms, said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And then when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with them a long while until daybreak and so departed. And it just seems like, okay, wait, this guy fell out of a window, three stories, says he's not dead. And then Paul goes and has, goes and has a sandwich, <laughs> which is so weird to me. But it's that, it's that word uh, in verse seven, intending, intending to depart. And then he prolonged his message. And when you get down to verse 13, it says, in going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, um, attend, intending to take Paul aboard there. For so he had arranged, uh, intending himself to go by land. So two times in that verse, you see the word intending, which is planning. Like I'm, I, he was planning to do this. Down to verse 16. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem if possible on the day of Pentecost. So um, three different verses, four different times, this idea of intending to do something, had, to, had decided to do something, um, even in verse 13, for he had arranged, uh, for he had arranged something to happen. So I thought, okay, so you can make plans, but how do you stay flexible when God might have different plans? Well, then my mind started to race. Should it actually be me being flexible to the will of God or me making the will of God my primary focus? And then I guess it would be sense, a sense of flexibility if I'm always having to fight against my plans and the only plans that matter. I actually want to, I want to move from my plans versus God's plans to a place where my plans are only God's plans, where I'm constantly asking the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? How do you want me to live? Because then you get to verse 22 with Paul. So, so far he had, 
He has, he's intending to do things. He's arranged for things to happen. He had decided for certain things to happen, but you get to verse 22 and, and he, he's getting ready to go um, to Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen to them there, um, but he's speaking to the elders in Ephesus before he goes. And he says this, and now behold, in verse 22, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. I looked up that word constrained, and it means to bind, to tie together, to imprison, to compel, to force. And then I sat there, I was like, okay, so wait a minute. He's he's has these plans, and then he feels can he feels constrained or or um or bound or imprisoned or compelled to do what the Spirit's telling him to do, to go to Jerusalem, knowing that imprisonment and afflictions await him. How could he be so flexible and obedient to the plans of God when those plans of God seem to go against what it is that he had set up and planned already? And I think it comes down to verse 24. Now listen to what he says. He says, but I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And friends, I think that that phrase that only only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ. See, my course, I think he's saying that the course that he's talking about there, he received it from the Lord. The ministry, he received it from the Lord. That friends, maybe we need to maybe we need to confess to God how often we are trying to uh, live our lives based on our plans rather than saying, hey, I don't account my life of any value nor is precious to myself if only I might finish the course and the ministry that the Lord Jesus has given to me. And so constantly be asking the Lord, God, change my desires, my values, my perspective, so that my plans are your plans, that my life is your life, that my ways are your ways. Like my whole life would be completely about Jesus, always seeking him. And if I don't hear a specific thing on what I'm supposed to do, to move forward to move forward the best that I can with the information that I have, making the decision that I think is best based upon what God teaches in scripture, asking counsel from other people, making decisions. And other times it's just a simple decision. Uh, it, it could be a simple decision as going to a certain place for lunch. or But what if God changes that? What if God all of a sudden changes your plan and my plan so that it's his plan? And our response should always be, hey, I count my life as of, of no value. And it's not precious to me at all. I only want to finish my course in the ministry that, that I receive from the Lord Jesus. So I guess we could still sit there and go, being flexible, yes. Like, let's be flexible when God wants to change, quote unquote, our plans. But what if we continue to pray that we don't have to become more flexible because we're actually just becoming more submissive. We're becoming more obedient. We're becoming more in line uh, with what it is that God's doing. We're walking step by step with him because we're abiding in Jesus. We're being led by the Holy Spirit. We're in constant communication with God rather than here and there asking for his advice and then doing our own thing. What if it was a day-by-day humble walk with the creator, following his lead, rather than trying to dictate to him what he should be doing. So friends, those are some of the things that stood out to me. I think the key to quote unquote flexibility with the plans of God is that I would look at my life as of no value outside of, outside of a relationship with Jesus and outside of wanting to accomplish the will of God, no matter the cost, because it's all about, all about him. 
Friends, I hope this is an encouragement to you. I hope it's a I hope it convicts and encourages you as it did me so that we become more and more like Jesus. Friends, I love you more than you know. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.